welcome to Emerging, a podcast where I talk to both new and emerging artists from around the world and discuss their experiences navigating the art world. My name is Arnold Barreto. I am a photographer, printmaker, and graphic designer based in Dubai, UAE, and I will be your host. Today's guest is the hilarious Reem Adan. Reem is an Iraqi-American comedian, actress, writer, and digital content creator known for her unique brand of Muslim inalial humor. So Muslim and millennial humor. Since leaving a career in film marketing, she's performed at venues and colleges across the U.S., Europe, and Middle East. Idan is an alumni of the MGM Writing Program, a two-time Groundlings Scholarship recipient, and has worked with brands such as Hoo-Ha-Ha and Sway Media to elevate female stories. And recently, she was named one of Bustle's top five Muslim women comedians to get you through social distancing. Without further ado, here is Reemitan. <laughs> Yay! Thanks for having Yay. me. Yay! Of course. And I'm actually recording this time, so that's great. Perfect. Yes. Yes, that's a yes. good. We, we didn't record in the last one, so we're doing it again, yeah. but we caught ourselves. Yes, we did. All right. So, Reem, um, how are you? I'm good. I'm I'm caffeinating. I think it's like, what yeah. time is it my time? It's like almost 1 p.m. and I'm still starting my day. That's awesome. Oh, the it's life like, of a creative. It's like 11.45 here. A night? Oh, ooh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I keep yeah. forgetting about the time difference. Um, do you find that you're more creative at night or earlier in the day? Super at night. I like go to, I try to, I try not to do it as much, but I normally like end up going to sleep at three or four. Yeah, that's how I am. Like, I, yeah. I can't get creative early. I mean, I can if there's a deadline, but I dilly dally. I like do tasks. I do everything else that I need to do before. And then mm. by the time I actually start getting creative, it's like three, four, five p.m. Yeah, like if the sun is up, I can't. I can't do any work. I don't know why. Like I want to. I want to like get into the groove and like have a schedule, but mm. it just doesn't work. Yeah. No, I feel that completely. Yeah. So we met uh, at the Dubai Comedy Festival. And yes. that was a very interesting experience for me. How was that for you? Oh, I want to hear about your experience. Um, I loved it. Listen, I um, it's always a pleasure to travel for stand-up. Mm-hmm. That's like one of the really big reasons that I wanted a career in comedy was just knowing that I got to perform, but also like go see the world. That's something that mm-hmm. I felt like I gave up moving to LA. Working in entertainment is you have to reach a certain level before you start to get traveling for work and stuff. So um, you know, with COVID and, and all, I hadn't left the country since uh, February 2020. I'd went to Carnival in Brazil and then came back and then the world shut down. So the Dubai Comedy Festival was my first time leaving the country. It was epic. Um, there was uh, quite a quite a few shows. I think we had like 10 shows scheduled. A few got yeah. canceled because of ticket sales or whatever. But um, it was, I loved it. I mean, granted, you know, we performed outside and it was like very humid. So I was, I was not prepared for that experience. However, I will say that, you know, the experience made me work for the laugh 10 times harder than I normally have to, because normally you're in a club, it's dark, it's quiet. Everyone's like Mm -hmm. packed in together. So getting the laugh is much easier and just the acoustics help um, make the show, you know, a a better, more cohesive experience. So having all the elements like the weather and people smoking shisha and everyone spread apart and a front row not being seated. There's a bunch of things like work against you and you just as a comedian have to, you know, rise up to the challenge and, and get the laugh either way. So that was, it was very helpful for me as a comedian, but 
I had a great time. I met amazing people. The comics were awesome. Good hangs. Met you. Um, it was still COVID times. So, you know, things were open, but not fully, you know, there was curfews right. and stuff. But yeah. I And overall, Global Village was closed. Was yeah, Global Village was closed. <laughs> oh, my God. Nina, Nina Kurufe was one of the comedians. She was like, my aunt said to go to this place called Global Village. It's every place. It's like a booth for every country. And we're like, okay. So we had a driver. And he'd take us like 45 minutes outside the city. We get there. And we're like, wow, there's like no one in the parking lot. Maybe they open late or something. I've never, I've never been to a theme park with zero people in the parking lot. It's a bizarre experience. Um, so yeah, Global Village was closed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Uh, for me, it was, it was actually like, it was a great experience for me because I like, I got to meet all of y'all and like hanging out with y'all like every now and then was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like it was kind of distracting also because I, at part, I didn't have to work my Mm -hmm. usual Mm -hmm. job because I was like taking care of y'all in some ways uh but Mm -hmm. I actually did not know that I had to like entertain anyone until (laughs) like the day off because we just like right so it was like basically my boss was like oh just make sure like you know the comedians are happy whatever and that was just like a passing comment he made and then on the day (laughs) off he was like okay just stay with the comedians and like (laughs) make sure uh the show is running on time make sure this is running on time and I'm like Wait, what am I? What all am I supposed to do? Because I'm also supposed to do the marketing stuff. That's so and, funny. Yeah, you became like yeah. the show, like the producer, kind of. Uh, but no, you made us very happy. I was like, anytime I needed something, I was like, Arnold. And so you were always there. So thank you. Yeah, of course, of course. Do you still work there? No, I quit. Oh, nice, nice. Congrats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is actually kind of similar to why I left my last job, which you mentioned. Uh, when you were talking in the in the part that didn't get recorded, um, mm-hmm. so I left my job because I very similarly felt like how you felt when you were doing marketing, uh, mm-hmm. where you were creatively adjust, adjacent, but not mm-hmm. doing the thing that you wanted to do. So, like, mm-hmm. what? I, I well, we we talked about this a little before, but like, can you touch on that a little bit more and like what helped you make the jump? Yeah, I think well for me you know, comedy is my art form, right? And I, and it took me a long while to even understand and appreciate that. Um, I didn't see, I didn't fully understand myself as an artist. Um, and so once I started to realize that, then I started to understand like why I felt so, you know, out of sorts, almost, you know, I had a little bit of a depression stage and I didn't really understand why, because I'm a very positive, optimistic, outgoing person. I had a really fancy like I did marketing, but it was for movie premieres and like films and met celebrities and did all these cool, fun things. So I couldn't really understand why suddenly that life wasn't making it, it wasn't making me happy. And that's when I realized that I wasn't feeding my creative soul, I guess. Um, so so the journey for me, it, it was a long journey until I actually left my job. Um, but the journey for me started once I like really was just feeling down about like, my job and like, what am I doing? And like, I'm creatively adjacent, I'm 20 feet from stardom, blah, 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 blah. And so I finally just decided like, because I was so unhappy, I was like, let me do something that feeds my creative soul. And for me, that was an open mic. And I'd always said I would do it. Like I said, I would do it in college and 10 years later, you know, or however many years later I had it. So um, once I went to that open mic, then I just felt whatever it is that you feel, you finally do your art or your art finds you. Um, And that's the feeling I kept chasing up until I left my job. So I was like working my day job um, during the day and then like doing stand up at night. And then wherever I'd have like lunch breaks or whatever, I would work on 
filming videos or writing, you know, sketches or writing my stand up. And I was on parallel paths. And um, the year before I quit, I kept saying, I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit, I'm going to quit. And I just was waiting for something. It was like I was waiting for a sign. I kept saying, I'm waiting for that big gig. Once I get that one big gig, I'll quit. Because I was getting small gigs here and there. And I was traveling too. I went to like London. Um, I went to London twice, actually. I had like different gigs here and there. So it was working. I knew that I was doing the right thing. I was just afraid to pull the trigger. Also, it's like, you know, where am I going to make money? Is this going to have to get like a waitress job while I do auditions and blah, 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 blah. Um, but there was a moment where like, I actually made the decision to quit my job. So I had made the decision a hundred times over the course of like two years. Um, the last year being the day that I was like, this is going to do I'm, today. I'm going to do it. Blah, blah, blah. But there was a difference between when I made the decision and I actually made the decision. Like there was a difference in energy and in what I put out to the universe or whatever. Um, and it was interesting because on a Thursday I had gotten into the MGM writing program and they were giving me a little chunk of change, not enough to quit my job, but a chunk of change. And so I was like, all right, this is the sign I needed. I, and I told my coworker, I was like, I'm going to quit on Monday. That's it. I'm quitting on Monday. You have to hold me accountable. She's like, all right, got you. And then the next day comes around, it's Friday and I got laid off and, um, and they gave me a severance package. So I got, you know, a few months of salary. And so I was like, ah! and so like that, for me was the sign. I was like, amazing. Like they asked me like, do you want us to find you another job in the company? And I was like, no. Um, and that for me was it. But so I look back on it now and it's like, wait, but I had decided several times over when I was going to quit to pursue my art. But there was a difference between like when I actually like gave myself that, um, that little checkbox of, I need to have like a little gig and then really made that deep, dark, deep down decision that the universe like provided that for me. And I was able to leave. That's awesome. It's really like funny how the universe just like knows, like yeah. It's like you really manifest it into the world, and the world like rewards you in some ways. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, and as much as you try to rush it, right? Like you want to be the the youngest, the this that, or like do it by this day. It works when it needs to work, and whether you want to say mm -hmm. God, universe, whatever it is, it's like it works when it needs to work. Because there's some gigs mm -hmm. that I'm like, I wish I had that now, and you know, five years later, I'm like, I wasn't ready for it then. I, I would want it now. I'm happy it's happening now. Yeah, that's awesome. I had a very similar sort of um, feel about like quitting my job because it mm -hmm. took me like, I, I knew that it wasn't right for me since December and mm -hmm. that it was just something that I was doing to like uh, make my parents happy, make some money, uh, try to like do my actual what I wanted to do on the side. But then I ended up not having the time on the side to do anything. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so like That's every single month, yeah, so like every single month I would go up to my parents and I'd be like, I don't know, maybe I think I should leave and like have this conversation mm -hmm. with my friends. Like, I don't know if it's right for me, this, that, that, to the point that my friends and my family were like, you need to leave just for the sake yeah. of you need to stop talking to us about yeah, this. Yeah, for real. Yeah. yeah. I had several and conversations then, with people around me where I'm like, you've been saying this, you got to act on it. You're the only person who can act, you know, just having been there yeah. instead of just preaching. Yeah. And then eventually when I finally did it, it was like, like, unfortunately in like in Dubai, you have to give like a month's notice. Like you can't mm -hmm. just leave in like two weeks either or whatever. So it was like, I had to give a month's notice and then deal with being there for a while. Yeah. Um, which was very interesting with how personal my boss gets. Um, <laughs> but, but I don't know if it, this happened to you because like immediately I had like so many plans, like mm -hmm. I was going to end up on this date. 
And then the next day I was going to start working on this. The next day I was going to start working on this. I had a few episodes yeah. of podcasts that I had lined up, a bunch of things I wanted to schedule. And yeah. I just haven't had the time or felt like motivated enough to pursue it right now. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, just feel I like feel drained. That's so interesting. Cause like, even now, like you always, pr- you frame your mindset as like, once I get there, I'll get there. Right. But it's not how it is. Once you get there, you're like, I don't feel motivated. Once you get there, it's like, eh, I'm tired. I'll do it later. I'm not creative during the day, whatever it is. So what's helped me and like what really like birthed my stand-up career was giving myself a deadline. I think every artist needs to give themselves a deadline um, because I also have grandiose ambitions. I have also have a social media presence. I'm like, I'm going to do a TikTok a week. And I'm going to do a TikTok a day. I'm going to do, and I don't do any for a month. Um, or, so it's better to have a deadline. Like with stand-up, I gave myself a deadline to start. Just go to an open mic. I didn't necessarily have a plan to make this a career change, but I said the third week of February, 2016, I have by the third week of February, 2016, I have to go to an open mic. And I waited till the last day and the last open mic in Los Angeles and went and did it. Deadlines, I think, push us creatives along. And I'm a procrastinator too. So as much as I try, since I was a kid, as much as I try to get the project done in time, I don't. I wait until whatever it is that it actually is going to take me and then I stay up all night and then I do it and I turn it in. And, you know, I used to get down on myself for procrastinating. And then uh, a friend of mine told me that, um, that's where like creatives need that because that's where your genius actually comes out is when you have like, you know, the pressure to, to act. So, so yeah. So, you know, I, I, I commend you for breaking away and like quitting your job and stuff like that. Don't be hard on yourself at the same time. Just like make sure that, you know, you have like a bunch of ideas, just prioritize what's most important and give yourself a deadline for whatever that one is and try to, you know, at least get that done to give yourself that feeling of, okay, I'm actually doing things. Otherwise, if it stays too ambiguous, you know, you, you kind of just float. And then that's, I feel like the depth of creativity. Okay. That's actually like an amazing advice. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I should point out that we've been talking for uh, a few minutes now and Reem has not bullied me yet. Um, this has been something that she has she usually normally does off camera, so I'm just pointing it out. Um, <laughs> I don't bully. Um, excuse me. Do I tell? <laughs> did I tell you I dyed my hair blue when I was wearing a wig? Yes. yes did I sometimes did. make up funny little stories? Yes, I did. But it's not <laughs> bullying. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. That's what all the mean girls say. Listen, honestly, every time I meet someone that I tell them I'm a comedian, they're like, "Roast me." I'm like, "What?" Everyone wants it. And I'm like, no, are you, are you going to pay me to do this? Also, I don't just roast on command. I only, yeah. I only make jokes with people if I'm like not actually being mean to people. Cause it's like, like, even if it's like bullying, we're friends, right? This comes from a place of like love. But if it's like an actual, I don't know, you know, I'm just going to make fun of how you look or something. I can't do it. My, I just don't yeah. know how to do it. Yeah. Also like when it's like a random stranger, it's like you have no context. Yeah. I'm like, slap your nose. Yeah. And then they're like, it's, it's all the white. It's only white people who've ever asked me this too. By the way, they're like, "Rest me." I'm like, I just don't know. What do you want to talk about? Your privilege? Uh, uh, you can get a job faster than me. Ha ha. <laughs> is all that artwork behind you? Did you make that all? No, uh, just this. But I have this thing where I like to collect postcards from, uh, like, any oh, museum cool. I go to, or anything. So it's like, because I. And I've also been like, while I was putting this up, I was thinking about postcards and how like it makes art very accessible for people. 
And yeah. so like now I want to make a project on that because like usually like these would be like really expensive prints and stuff and stuff. But like yeah. I can have this, I put it in a small bag, take it with me wherever I'm going. I love so, that. Yeah. I was trying to make a collage. I've, I've, see, again, with these grandiose ideas, I have so many little ideas that I just never follow through with. But um, I was I travel so much um, yeah. and I have since I was like, you know, in high school, even, even in high school, like I used to join clubs so that I could travel. Like I joined the speech and debate club. I joined like science Olympia. I joined all these clubs, science Olympia. I had no business being in. I failed every exam test activity. I failed it, but I was like, I get to go here. Um, but I have so many hotel keys and I was thinking of making just like a collage of just all the hotel keys just colored or something like that, but I never got around to it. So maybe after this, I'll give myself a deadline. There you go. Actually, when you said about just that, this, mm-hmm. I just made this like 10 minutes before doing the podcast because I oh, wanted wow. to put this up for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. And then because I knew I was going to be doing this, I was like, okay, I will do it before we like start talking. Yeah. And I ended up doing it literally like 10, 15 minutes before we, before we went on. So yeah. So I like that's it. how it I great. Would do it. Yeah. Thank you. I still want to put a lot more stuff up, but this is like the start of it. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I gotta like do my this this is not supposed to, this is it's a very quick apartment fix. Like I said, I haven't been in town much. So yeah. I'm working on my on my apartment slowly. Excuses. Slowly. Excuses. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just like really famous and popular, so like I don't live here. <laughs> ah. Anyway. So okay, so what have you been doing since um uh, since COVID actually? Because COVID was like a big stop, right? And uh you had a few things going on during that still, right? You were still keeping busy. I remember you mentioning a little bit about that, right? Listen, COVID, COVID was a blessing in disguise for me. Um, listen, I don't want to like, you know, insult anybody who was lost a family member or something to COVID. In fact, I lost my grandma to COVID. So I feel like this gives me a pass. Um, but COVID for me was a blessing because, you know, at first it, it, it this is why it was a blessing in disguise. Um, I had an, a, a tour lined up, a college tour specifically. And that's how I make um, a lot of the money to sustain my, artistic comedy career is um, I travel around to different universities and I perform for an hour. It's like a corporate gig and they pay pretty well. And so I had a I've, tour lined up uh, around the country. Oh, sorry? I've heard that a lot of like a lot of comedians and like motivational speakers like make a shit ton of money or make like most of the money yeah. from college tours and stuff like that yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And you know, artists can do it too. It's not just performers. Like they, right. there's certain artists who can do stuff. Um, so yeah, so I had a big tour. I think I had like a 15, just under a 15 city tour. Um, and just overnight got canceled. Like one by one, the shows were like cancel, cancel, cancel. And mind you, I had been really depending and planning on this money for the quarter. Um, cause I was like, you know, I do all these shows and I'm set for, you know, a few months and then I can in the meantime, get other gigs. Cause you know, it's a, it's a gig economy for an artist. Um, mm-hmm. so I was pretty bummed about that. Uh, I didn't know if my shows were canceling. There were some of them were, you know, just putting on, being put on hold indefinitely. Some were moving to the fall, hoping it'd be done by then. So that was, you know, I, I could have just like stopped there and cried about it. Um, but I decided to pivot. And so, um, you know, I was like, okay, I can't go out. I can't go to open mics, can't perform on a stage. But what I can do is perform on my phone. Um, and that's when I really got into like my social media and starting writing videos and, and doing digital content. At the same time, I really had, I finally had time to work on writing. 
um, and which sounds so ironic because, you know, I have like an hour of content, but I never write. Um, it's more me picking up stories and having punchlines. And I didn't even know what my writing process is. My writing process is so scattered. I don't even know what it is. But what I do know is that I had been spending so much time driving to shows and going to social events and like hanging out at shows and stuff that I wasn't spending time devoting it to improving my craft. So COVID allowed me to do that. Um, and in fact, I got into a, a really prestigious writing program called the NBC Late Night Writing Program um, because, and, and my application was like stellar because I finally had time to sit down and write it. And you compare my application to other applications a year ago. And it was night and day. Why? Again, because I had time to devote to my craft. And I feel like that's such a no brainer. But if you really look at it, a lot of us aren't doing that. We're just kind of like, at least I was just kind of, you know, skating or coasting by on my, or my talent. I have a lot of natural comedic timing and talent. Um, so, uh, you know, to answer your question, I spent a lot of COVID working on finding that really figuring out my voice. I've been doing this long enough. Um, so for COVID, for me, COVID was like a time to really develop and articulate my voice um, and translate that into different mediums. And, you know, it really is a very integrated industry, right? So for any kind of artist, um, you can, if you know how to use TikTok the right way, you can, you know, book, get, increase your Instagram followers. If you know how to, you know, use your Instagram and market yourself the right way or sell stuff the right way, you can sell your art online. So if you really look at everything you do as a cohesive part of the picture, then you realize that like, yeah, you might not be able to perform or, or do whatever it is that you want to do, but you can work on all these other things that will eventually, you know, fuel that fire um, and feed your, both feed you creatively and, you know, possibly make you money. So that's what I did over COVID. Um, and then I started performing again in October. That's when the show started coming back. So by then I had like an hour of new material of COVID related material stuff that was, I thought much funnier. I still think I'm much funnier in real life than I am on stage. Um, and I'm still working on that, but I think I've gotten a lot closer to translating my personality on stage. And so, um, yeah, that's what I did. And I encourage anyone else who's listening to this, whatever your art form is, is to actually spend time doing it. It sounds so stupid, but you need to like carve out time, sit down, treat it like a job and do it um, mm -hmm. and give yourself that deadline, whether that's an application that has a deadline or, or a personal deadline. I find real deadlines to be a lot you know, more helpful because personal deadlines i'm like eh, it's like i said friday but I, I can do monday you know yeah. So. yeah 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 um i i totally agree with you because like usually we're always on like what's the next thing that we need to accomplish what's the next goal what's the next thing yeah. we don't take time to reflect on stuff because like yeah. i had a project that i did in i think 2019 and like mm -hmm. the january 2019 or so for my college and it was like this big project and I got a lot of compliments on it. It was like for my senior exhibition and like even like I had a kid come up to me and he was like, oh, I really like that picture. It makes me like oh. be like it was like a really big thing and everything. And I was like riding the high of that for a very long time. And yeah. it was up until I think early 2020 uh, before like COVID or before I, I was like forced to even like look back at it. But like I just like was I had a period of time where I was just like alone, like alone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was able, like, I realized how limited that project was. It was like, there was so yeah. much more that I could have done with it that yeah. I'm like, now I'm like, come back to it. I'm like trying to redo it. Yeah. Um, you can always but it's improve. Like, right. And it's like, nothing is, when I was in college, we worked on like projects and it was like 15 images for this project or 10 images for this project or whatever. 
And mm-hmm. the way that my professor always talked about it was like, okay, you finished the project here, but it's never ended. Yeah. Like yeah. everything can yeah, always yeah. be revisited. Everything can be started again. I love that. And I think there's something too, you briefly touched on this, but like alone time, I think alone time is so key for artists. And, you know, I'm such an extrovert. I really am. And I, I am turned on by people. I will literally be tired and miserable and, you know, lethargic. And then as soon as I step into a room full of people, I'm on. And I just, and that's where, that's why I said, I think I'm funnier in real life is because, you know, stand-up is, depending, you can do crowd work and that's, you know, more in the moment, but it's a lot of rehearsed stuff. And I think I'm funnier off the cuff. Um, but being alone forces you to really work out your voice and what you're trying to say. So yeah, there's something to be said for you know, separating yourself from others and and diving deeper into something that might already be good, but making it better. Um, how often do you do crowd work? Because I've seen you, like I've seen you on stage and I've seen you off stage. Like yeah. you're funny in both spheres, but like like you're very right and like you're very different kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, how yeah. often do you incorporate crowd work into your shows? You know, it's, it's different because for international shows, I don't as much because I don't mm-hmm. really know the audience and uh, you know I by the last show you know I'm pretty sure you were there the last night the last night I did a different set the last night I was doing British accents and stuff like that I don't know if you remember that I was doing jokes about yeah that was not written I did like seven minutes of just stuff I just made up on the spot so and I feel like that night was the best night I had now it, it just depends on how comfortable I am because if I know that there's people in the audience I have to impress let's say in LA there might be an agent or a producer or something in the audience I'm, I don't usually do as much crowd work because I try to do material I know works. And the same goes for when I travel because I need to make sure, you know, sometimes the first shows always suck because I'm trying to figure out, do you guys like cultural material? Do you like COVID material? Do you like this, that, this, that? And I can adjust as I go. So yeah, I, I, I would like to do more crowd work, but it's a comfort level thing because you're so you're funnier, but your neck is on the line. So, you know, what if it, you have to be, confident enough to if the joke doesn't work keep going or or pivot or whatever it is so it's 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 up and down gotcha yeah that makes sense um so where you are right now in your career and everything i forgot this is usually the first question that i ask but uh, i forgot to ask (laughs) you how do you describe yourself like do you consider yourself an emerging artist or slightly established or kind of established or how how would you describe your career right now? Oh, that's a great question. I can't Thank wait you. to be back on this podcast in a few years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I'm I'm starting to establish myself. I think oh. this is the first year 2020 to 2021 has really been leaving emerging and getting into more established. Um, in fact, I gauge that by the amount of fans that come to my shows. So previously it's like I have friends come random people come, whatever. And now both here in the US and in um, in, in the UAE, I had fans who learned about me online, who came to my shows. In fact, one guy's like, I came all the way from Abu Dhabi just to see you. So that's kind of the I was way, there to, so. I, I, I took that picture. Yeah. I remember yeah, that, was, yeah, yeah. that was beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of how I gauge it now. It's like, you know, at first I was out there being like, look at me, look at me. Blah, blah, blah. And now I've gotten to a point where I know it's working because I have fans coming out. In fact, I had a cool story. Last week, um, my parents were in a different state. They were in Nebraska and uh, they had, if, at one party, they had three different people come up to my parents and say, oh my God, I recognize you, you're Remy Don's parents. So um, yeah, 
so like that's that's when I know I'm like all right I'm starting to establish myself now I'm starting to get gigs based on like people seeing my social media or recognizing me or whatever so now I'm like I've I've left stage one I think I'm like on the cusp of entering stage two um I think you're a little bit in stage two because recognizing not just you but your parents itself is like a yeah yeah, different zone so well they're in all my they're in all my stuff yeah do you have any advice for people who want to get into comedy Sure. If you want to get into comedy, set yourself a deadline to go to an open mic. That's the number one thing you have to do because the open mic is the scariest thing. The idea of going is the scariest thing. So I would say give yourself that deadline and make sure that no matter what happens, even if you don't have anything prepared, even if you just go stand up there and talk, that you did it, right? Because otherwise it's just going to be a dream. Uh, Number two, I would highly suggest having a friend with you, not just at the open mic, but embarking on this journey with someone else because a, they'll go to the open mic with you. B, it'll feel like you're not just like doing this little thing and if it's going to fail, it's going to fail. And if it's not, it's not. Um, but you're also funnier when you're speaking with a person. It's helpful to have that litmus check of like, oh, is this funny? And and what I like to do is have a conversation with a friend and like, all right, so I have this idea. I think I want to talk about, you know, Peloton bikes. And what I noticed is, is that funny? And then you guys can riff and from that find the funny, right? So I would just having a friend along the way. And also like, the key to really starting a comedy career or your venture is to do the open mics and then get a five minute tape. If you can get yourself on camera, um, that'll help you book other shows and that'll help you start getting more and more experience uh, moving forward. And then another tip would be um, stop, like once, how do I say this? Stop writing new jokes. I have a lot of comedian friends who like We'll write new jokes for every single show. And I'm like, yeah, you need to always write new jokes, but you need to work on the same jokes 20 times, even if you're sick of it, because the joke will constantly shift and make itself better and your timing will get better and you'll learn how to react to, to you know, audiences. Do they like this? Do they not? So work on that set, that five minutes over and over and over and over and over again, open mic shows, blah, 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 film it, and then use that moving forward to get yourself booked and then go from there. Awesome. Did you have those written down or somewhere? No, this is just, I'm yeah. just like really smart. Wow. So, <laughs> so cool. Yeah. No, those were really good tips. Like they were really, really like on point. Thank you. Yeah. I'm just trying to make it tangible because I'm just trying to make it tangible because, you know, the more ambiguous the idea is of like, uh, can I start? Can I not? It, the more it stays as a dream and not something you do. Mm, that's awesome. Reem, thank you so much for being on my podcast. No, thank you. This is great. I yeah. like what you're doing here. Keep it going. Hopefully it'll inspire someone to to take the leap. Thank you so much. Um, do you have anything to promote? Sure, 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 sure. Just follow me on all the socials at Reem Edan, R-E-E-M-E-D-A-N. They got the TikToks, got the Instagram, all that stuff. Um, awesome. And yeah, I, I, have, I have my own podcast coming out called Habib T Podcast. It's H-A-B-I-B-T-E-A, like spill the tea. Uh, me and two other Arab uh, Arab American female comedians talking about all things Arab. So that'll come out soon. Keep an eye out. Awesome. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate of it. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Thanks, Arnold. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon, too. Thank you so much to Reem for being on this podcast. Please make sure to follow them on Instagram to stay up to date on when their new shows are. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Emerging. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support us, please make sure to like and subscribe to this channel. It, it will really help our account to grow and continue to keep making more episodes. And while you're at it, share it with your friends who are other artists who could use this type of support.